just can't tell how much he's done for me. Place them on a rock to stare. Come for me. I just can't praise him enough. Just can't thank him enough. I just can't tell you how much he means to me. He took my feet from the miry clay. Placed them on rock to stare. I just can't praise him enough for what's done for me. I just can't, well, praise the Lord. I just can't tell you how much he means to me. Took my feet from the miry clay, placed them on a rock to stay. <coughs> what is done for me? I just can't, oh, I just can't thank him enough. I just can't.
these choruses are so beautiful and if you have never really uh, listened to um, 
gospel assembly worship service, you might hear terminologies like we might say hallelujah. Well, hallelujah, I don't know what language that is. It might be Hebrew. I'm not sure what it is, but it is described as the highest form of praising God. It's like the highest commendation or glory you can give to God. And so when I say hallelujah, uh, that's what we mean. Uh, when we say praise the Lord, uh, it's telling the Lord how wonderful he is. And during the worship, it's a good time uh, to tell the Lord how wonderful he is. It's, we call it a time of worship. And over the years, uh, the churches and Christian community has misunderstood and misappropriated what worship should be. And instead of being here to worship God and to give him the praise, we are praising, but with an expectancy that we will feel something in our spine, you know, something that makes us happy. In other words, instead of wanting to give God praise, we want God to do something for us. That's what mankind is, has always been. And though the Lord might touch someone during the worship, the purpose of worship is to give praise unto the Lord. So we want to sing this chorus. Jesus, Alleluia. It's uh, something taken from the Bible. Uh, the word Alleluia is just like Hallelujah. And so, unfortunately, we only know English language here, and we can do our very best to use our own vocabulary and our ways of telling the Lord how wonderful He is. So everyone, let's just worship the Lord singing uh, this chorus, Jesus, Alleluia. I cannot wait for the time to come when I'll not be communicating with people on the internet, but I'll have people sitting really and truly in the church uh, because I am, <clears throat> I'm not sure if I even went into the last, um, the last service. The last one was Perilous Times, right? A title, I'm not sure if I even went and looked at the comments that people make because I would like, if you have something to say to me, write me on Messenger uh, when this is all over. But don't distract yourself by trying to write comments and all kinds of comments when it's time to give your attention to God and worship Him. Now, I can only suggest that to you. You do whatever make you feel happy or comfortable. That's your choice. But this time is a time when we praise God. And we listen to the song, we let sing it from our hearts, and we sing praises to the Lord. Um, so I can't, I can't wait. I don't know if it ever happened. Uh, the way the pandemic is increasing in Canada, in Ontario. In Ontario, it's uh, well over 1,100 new cases per day. It makes us feel comfortable a little bit when we hear in America it's over 100,000. Um, a day, 100,000 a day. And then if you start to move over to some other countries, it's uh, sometimes even more than that. But we're glad that God's been good to us, not because we are any special people, but because we try to follow the principles. Um, we try to do our best, uh, put the, the mask on, 
sanitize ourselves, keep social distancing. We try to follow the protocol as much as possible because the worst thing I'd like to see happen is that the government has a reason to close down the churches again because it's a place where inspection is spreading out. So bear up with us, Say, stay where you are, sing the limited songs. We're lucky that we are even still singing. Some places don't even sing because they say it's spreading the virus. I believe, I still believe God. I still believe the Lord is able to do all things. Amen? So let's sing Jesus, hallelujah. And let's put our praises, close our eyes, and reach out to the Lord. And let it be a blessing to us. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you tonight and that you have given us your only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to die in our stead. Lord, the greatest condescension of all time was when he left uh, his original place with authority and he came down and humbled himself even unto death. Lord, we thank you that he died for in our place rather than allowing us to die he took our sins upon him and he took the penalty of sin lord father we give you thanks tonight for jesus 
We ask, Lord, that you will bless this service tonight and speak to our hearts. Let your word reach out into our spirits and our hearts and cleanse us, we pray. Bless this weekend, bless today and tomorrow, Father. Remember saints that are not well, we ask that you will touch them and let your healing virtues flow through their body. Tonight, in a special way, we want to remember Sister Monica, and we ask that you'll touch her and strengthen her father through this little ordeal she's going through, and that you'll strengthen her faith and confidence. Bless her service tonight and every other child of God that's uh, listening to us. We pray that you'll be an inspiration to them, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Today's truth will be offering tomorrow a foundation. And you can take today's messages and just polyparrot them tomorrow. Uh, yesterday's message can build today's church. We build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. And Paul said that, I think it's in Ephesians, the second chapter, that he made that statement. Um, Ephesians, the second chapter, Paul says, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And so tonight, I had a lot of things to talk to you about, but then I felt like as we get, got closer to the service, uh, that um, I'll just let it go like it normally is, uh, whatever the Lord brings to mind. Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians. And the, the church at Ephesus was not really started by the Apostle Paul. The church at Ephesus was really started by a young man whose name was Apollos. And I uh, would have you turn your finger into a few areas here. So I've got my finger in the first chapter of Ephesians. And I want to turn back into, onto the 18th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. And you'll hear me say this over and over and over again. The Acts of the Apostles uh, was not written by a Jew. The Acts of the Apostles was written by a Gentile converted uh, seemingly under the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And he, Luke, who wrote the Acts of the Apostles, was a medical doctor. He was a physician uh, that walked around with Paul, and it was a good thing because Paul had often infirmities. He had problems in his body, and it was good to have a man that was a physician uh, caring for him. Uh, there were individuals that cared for Paul. And sometimes uh, God allows a chastening in a man's life to bring him into a better relationship with God. It is important. Uh, so I've got my finger in two scriptures, Ephesians uh, chapter 1 and Acts the 18th chapter. But I will <clears throat> turn back here a little bit to, uh, to Lamentations. Uh, the third chapter of Lamentations. Now we're talking about Apollos, we're talking about Ephesus, and now we are, we are backing up here to Lamentations, the third chapter, because not only was Paul afflicted, not only was Job afflicted, 
not only other men of God were afflicted for a purpose, and that is affliction does uh, cleanse, uh, cleanse an individual in their spirit. God allows chastisement. Uh, the child of God receives chastisement. The ungodly person receives a wrath. There's a difference. When God uh, chastises his children, it's to cleanse them uh, from a deep inward working of evil and sin in their lives. When he judges a nation and a flood comes in and destroys the ungodly, uh, it is his wrath. It is a very tragic thing when the ungodly and the saints are destroyed together. Uh, it means that somebody was not doing something right. I still believe in God being the protector of our lives. You see, we have COVID-19, and I'm not saying that the possibility is that we don't have an infection in this church. No one is infallible because the body of Christ has been affected in certain areas of the world where churches and ministers were affected with this COVID-19 and some have even died. Now, I wouldn't say, well, we are better off. No, we're one body. We're one body. One part of the body gets affected, then the other parts uh, would be affected. If uh, the hand get affected, then I can say the hand is not of the body. No, we're all together. And that is what I said when Nehemiah prayed, when he heard that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. He says, Lord, we have sinned. We, we have sinned. Uh, he could say they have sinned, but he didn't say that. He says, we have sinned. Forgive us. Uh, he included himself, and I'd like to include myself, because the body of Christ is not only a Canadian body or a Mississauga body, but it's an international body. And that is why it is important what I do in this local church, because if I bring in some pagan custom or some pagan practice or introduce something into this assembly, uh, then other churches, because we are one body, whether the little toe get infected, uh, you'll find that that infection would move up into the body and affect the body. And so I must be careful what I introduce into my part of the body. Uh, this Mississauga church, I have to be careful what I introduce. I must pray about what I'm introducing. And so God does bring chastisement into the, in the lives of individuals. Uh, when I'm thinking of America, I'm thinking of America right now and the saints, a lot of people would have preferred the election to go the other way. But God is in control. And here in Lamentations, the third chapter, Jeremiah made a statement here. He says in verse 37, he says, Who is he that said, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commanded it not? And he understood a basic principle. In other words, if you're a child of God sitting in this church or listening to me or wherever you are, anything that happens to you uh, would be a part of God's plan. If you meet an accident, even an accident is not an accident to the elect. An accident is purposeful. There is a reason for everything. And God does save his people. Now, here is a man that God called. The last time we talked about him, we called him an iron pillar. You remember Jeremiah? We call him an iron 
pillar, brazen walls against the whole land of Israel, against the priests and the kings and the people. And he was supposed to be that mighty man. And he discovered the last day I spoke to this church, I think it was, uh, Jeremiah said, I will make mention of him no more because he, only give, he has only given me a message that causes confusion. I, I preach violence and spoil. And people love to be entertained. They don't love to hear violence and spoil. Well, most of the prophets, that's all they had to say. All right? But here is another part of Jeremiah's life that we need to understand. And he said here in chapter 3 and verse 1, I'm a man that has seen affliction <clears throat> by the rod of his wrath. He's talking about God here. He says, I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of God's wrath. He's not saying chastisement. He says God's wrath. And when you're going through your problem, people would not understand what you're going through. It might be chastisement, but because you're a child of God, you feel he's judging me like he's judging the ungodly. And that might be so. It might look to you like that because uh, you're coming under the judgment. But Jeremiah says, he had God. God, every time he says he, he's referring to God. He says he had led me. Uh, he had led me and brought me into darkness. Someone says, well, you know, I'm having a hard time. Well, tell that to every prophet because every man of God that God has called must go through a process in order for them to be saved and for them to present a gospel that would help the people that are listening to make adjustments in their lives. So here was this iron pillar going through the process of his own purging and his own cleansing. He said, God led me into darkness. That's not song like God doing that. Well, if you know God, he will do that. Uh, he has done that to David. He has done that to Jeremiah. He has done that to every child of God. And that is why Peter says, think it not strange concerning, concerning the fiery trial, which is designed to try you. Because God must work to save his people. He said, he has led me into darkness and not into light. Surely he is against me is he turned. He turned his hand against me all the day. He says, my skin, my flesh and my skin had he made old. Are you looking at me and I'm wrinkled? Now he was wrinkled because whatever God was taking him through. And I would have been glad to know what process he went through. But God gives us enough to know. I don't know what he went through. I can tell you some of the things David went through, but I'm not sure about everything. This Bible has limited information, but it has sufficient information that we need. He said, he is uh, my flesh and my skin had he made old. He had broken my bones. He had built it up against me and come past me with gall and with travail. He had set me in dark places like they that be dead of old. He says, I'm like a dead man. Did you ever complain that God, you don't know what's happening in your life? You have a good place to stay, but still complain. You have food to eat, yet you still complain. You complain because the gas price went up. You complain because the air condition was not, was broken. You complain because you had a flat tire. See, we're so pampered here in North America 
that God must teach us some valuable lessons. If I'm to arise in the same resurrection, resurrection that Stephen uh, is to resurrect in, then I must be processed as much as Stephen was processed. In a day of luxury, it is necessary for the fire to purge me in a different method, not with persecution, literally, but I must go through my own trials. God saves his people. And so Jeremiah, give him a chance. He's going through the problem. Let him complain. He said he had set me in dark places. Verse 7, he had hedged me. He had hedged me about. You're boxed in. Jeremiah felt boxed in that I cannot get out. He says, I want to get out of this situation. But he has boxed me in, has made my chain heavy. Who did that? Well, I tell you what, God himself did not do that. He allowed the devil to do that. And the devil a lot of times does not realize he's doing God's work. And that is why when you turn around and say, Satan made me do it, you don't understand the workings of God. Satan is the destroyer. That's his job. He was made to do what he is doing. He was made to tempt you. He was made to put you in trial. He would allow the persecution to come. And that is why when you're caught in your storm, <clears throat> you must understand that God is a God that works in the midst of the storm. Amen. So I said this earlier today, COVID is all over the place, but I'm a child of God. I have faith and I believe that I should not die with this disease. Amen. So I will keep my heart right. I would not give a little open gap for the devil to bring in the disease. I will stay under the shadow of the Almighty. I will stay under his wings. When I step out from the umbrella of God's protection, the evil raindrops will catch me. So do right and you'll receive right. Amen. The reason why problems are happening in your life uh, is because you have not done right. God never errs in judgment. Another beautiful scripture. Never errs. And so you might say, I don't know what's happening to me. Well, come to me and ask me. I'll tell you. I'm the blunt guy. I have bad news. Good news, that's bad news. God never errs in judgment. And so Jeremiah is going on. He says, when I cry uh, and shout... He shattered out my prayers. I've seen a lot of people go to church and like the prophets of Baal, they scream and they think God is going to, you know, I've done, we've done that in Guyana. You go cast the demon out, you can scream, Satan out! You can scream until you have laryngitis. The demon would not leave if you have not prayed and have an anointing on your life. Amen. So the mechanics of religion must be eliminated if God is processing your life. He had enclosed my ways with huge stones that he has made my path crooked. Isn't that something? And he goes on, he says here, verse 15, He had filled me with bitter bitterness and had made me drunken with wormwood. Verse 16, he had broken my teeth with gravel stones and he had covered me with ashes. But then he comes down here, he says, And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. He says, I don't have peace. I'm a miserable man. Can you believe this is the iron pillar? 
Yes, he was. You see, a prophet and a man of God and a preacher has to go through a process just like you all. And that is why you don't sit back and then condemn the preacher. People today like to condemn leaders. Leaders are humans. God did not call angels to lead the church. He called human beings. It would have been good if Gabriel was your pastor, but he is not. Desmond Singh is. The human is. The Guyanese is. And if you're prejudiced against last name Singh, you got a problem. Because I ain't changing it. I'm prejudiced against it myself. And it kills me. And sometimes I try to hide it. And that is why the man that met me outside the church and he says, Are you a Sikh? And I said, No, but my dad got the name and I don't know where he got it from. But that's my name. And God has decided what we should be called. And so the process God must take us through is not an easy process. And Jeremiah goes on and he complains. Verse 18, he says, I said my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, he says, my soul had made, uh, had, uh, my soul had them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Then this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. He says, when I'm reflecting now, I'm thinking of the good days. Um, I'm thinking of the wonderful times he was with me and it gave me some hope that the process he's taking me through will end and I'll be better than before. Listen to what he says. He says, it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassion faileth not. She allowed the man to complain, but he knows in his heart that there is a God, that his compassion faileth not. So he complains, but he knows that God is there. You can complain, and not everybody is know how to complain, but God is there, he says, they are new, his, his compassion, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He's praising God uh, before he starts complaining again. And he goes on, he said, the Lord is my portion, set my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. And before you know it, he's back into complaining again. And that is how it is when God is working to save our lives. Paul went through his own process. And as Paul was going through the process, God provided a physician for him. And so I'm back in, in Acts, the 18th chapter. The Lord provided a physician for Paul. And, you know, <clears throat> the other day I was looking at a little documentary. And it was suggested, you remember Paul when he was... Uh, he saw a man from Macedonia in a dream. And when he went down to Philippi, there was no man, just some women by the riverside. And the house of Lydia, the seller of purple. You remember that account of Paul? But he had a vision. There was a man from Macedonia calling him. Well, it has been suggested by some people that that man could have been very well Luke. Because Luke was that faithful man that stayed with Paul. But here was Paul in, in Ephesus. <clears throat> Before he actually went to Ephesus, uh, there was this church was started by this young man in Acts chapter 18 and verse 24. 
A certain young man, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. And he was instructed in the Lord, but he was limited, fervent in spirit, spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, but his knowledge was limited to a past dispensation. He only knew the baptism of John. Now I'm saying that to you because you might hear a lesson coming up soon that might show you that we don't need to harp on, on baptisms of John. That is parabolic because God moves on. The church should never stagnate. And the reason why the church stagnate, the reason why denominations are formed is because somebody felt God was leading them and then they stop. And when they stop, they say, we got a crowd here. We can't afford to leave this. Let's stay and build an organization. And so an organism evolves to an organization. An organism starts with life. But before you know it, the life is gone and it becomes an organization. You got what I just said? An organism full of life can apostatize and become an organization. And that is why you have so many churches with so many names. And we cannot exclude ourselves. Because this church needed to move off from the foundation. And so Apollos had a limited knowledge. And it says here in verse chapter 19, verse 1, It came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Who were these disciples? They were Apollos followers. And Paul said unto them, Paul did not beat around the bush, had uh, revival meetings for three weeks. No, he did not beat around the bush. He came to the point. He says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be the Holy anything called the Holy Ghost. What is the Holy Ghost? Now, what kind? This man was eloquent, mighty in the scriptures, fervent in his spirit, and he never told the people anything about the Holy Ghost. Can you be eloquent? Can you be fervent in your spirit? Can you have an understanding of the written word, the written letter or scriptures? And don't have the Holy Ghost? Yes. You can be the best preacher in town. You can be educated in all the scriptures and everything you need to know. You can be faithfully attending and don't just be a fickle individual, an individual and yet your knowledge is not with present truth. Apollos had to be taught present truth by Priscilla and Aquila in chapter 18. But Paul here, he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, unto what baptism were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism, that is the baptism unto repentance. And Paul said, John verily baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, when this little group of individuals heard this, you see, that was a remnant. Apollos, their teacher, the one that led them to this point, might die unsaved. But the people that were left there, 
encountered a true apostle and they were to be changed. Amen. Amen. It says, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when they were baptized, water baptized. Did, did, what, are we reading that Paul rebaptized them? Yes, he did. He took individuals that received a John the Baptist baptism. And John in his day was the man sent from God. But God had moved on. And he baptized them now in the name of Jesus. And when he laid hands on them, they got two baptisms. They got the Holy Ghost baptism came upon them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. Isn't that wonderful? That's how the church at Ephesus got started. I've got seven minutes to finish whatever else I have to tell you tonight. All right, so back here in Ephesians. In Ephesians, <clears throat> so Paul, uh, after all was over, Paul had to leave Ephesus. And they were, they were not, the, the authorities in that city did not want the Apostle Paul because he preached contrary to what they would accept. Today, if Paul was living here today, he'd be doing time. He did not know how to compromise the gospel. Today, we compromise the gospel for fear of what society or the government will do to us. And that is why we pray for America. We pray that God will give them the, the right leader, either to bless them or judge them. If the church fails, God would raise up a King Saul. I don't know who is there. We just know somebody is raised up. And when you think you're running from the fire, no, they say in Guyana, there's a guy in his storm, you jump, run from the frying pan and you fall into the fire. Well, the scripture says when you run from the snare, you fall into the pit. And when you think things were bad, God is all wise. Didn't the church pray that God give them the proper leader? A lot of times we pray and we don't know what we pray for. And that is why when the Holy Ghost make intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered, we will be praying for things we don't even know what we are praying for. If they had a different president, there would have been riots tonight in America. God knows best. Stores in, in Manhattan were boarded up on plywood preparing for riots. That is if President Trump won the election. But God is good to his people. He allowed that election to go the other way. And so uh, this coming week they'll take out all their plywood. Because the storm is not coming. The hurricane is not coming. Don't tell me God's not wise. And yet at the same time, God has in mind what he wants to do. I'm not here to preach politics. I'm here to tell you that God, nothing happens except God approves it. And so we're looking at a church here in Ephesus. And when Paul is writing, after many, many years, a lot of churches, the churches of Galatia went to hell. Uh, a lot of churches backslid and stopped following God. Ephesus survived even though they had left their zeal and enthusiasm. But here Paul is writing, he said in chapter 1, verse 4, According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. God has chosen us <clears throat> before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. Are you falling? Yes, sir. 
What God has chosen us before the foundation of the world to be rich, prosperous. No, He has chosen us to be holy without blame before Him in love. And so by the time you come through this entire book and you come to chapter 4, you'll find that the ministry that God has given to, to the church, and Paul let them know this. He says the ministry is given in chapter 4 and verse um, verse 1. He says, I therefore, the prison of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy. He's writing to church, and imagine he's telling us, Imagine what I'm saying tonight. Walk worthy. Walk worthy. When? Every day. Walk worthy. Live for God. Worthy of the calling that God has called you with. He says with verse 2. He says with all lowliness. Don't be exalted. Don't be lifted up with pride. And one of these days, I told you, I promise you, one of these days, I'll talk about the snare of the devil that can entrap and can snare a lot of individuals. You see, human beings are born with a, with a love for themselves, like we talked about in the last service, more than they love God. Men shall be lovers of themselves. Well, if you come and God is working in your life, what Paul says, with all lowliness and meekness, and with long suffering for bearing one another in love. There's no way you can, you can do this if you're living by yourself and you don't, you're not exposed to the saints. See, James talk about that. It's like me looking, Brother Joe, and says, I love you. Brother Joe, yours must be starving. You don't have clothes. You don't have shelter. I love you. What does that give you? It's just a little statement made. Love is a manifestation of things. And when individuals reach out and help individuals, that's love. And so Paul is telling the church here at Ephesus. And you know what? <clears throat> when a lot of churches went on, the Ephesus survived. They did not have a pastor. They had elders running the church. The pastor, the pioneer, Paul, was gone. But the elders that were there, they were able, the saints were able to try apostles that called themselves apostles and found them liars, and they survived. Grievous wolves entering among the flock at Ephesus, but the people survived. A lot of people came in, and a lot of people left. That's what happens to a church. But the church is to produce overcomers, and that is why God has raised up the ministry. He has raised up the apostle. And the prophet and the pastor and the teacher is given, and evangelist is given for the perfecting of the saints. You cannot accomplish anything unless this happens. And so we're a body. We're a part of the body of Christ. And the ministry is given for our perfection and for our maturity. And that's what Brother Joe was talking about tonight. Uh, he was talking about how important it is to find a man of God, call of God. And you've got to have a revelation. You've got to have an illumination of your mind to accept that. Because Paul said here, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What happens here might filter out into other areas of the body of Christ. Not only the local body, but the general body till we come 
into a common unity of the faith. We believe alike. He says, unto the knowledge of the Son of God. What brings this unity is the Spirit of God working in our lives to establish Christ. He says, unto the full, uh, the perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What's our goal? To become like Jesus. To be like Jesus. To judge like Jesus. To love like Jesus. To, to, to understand the evil in our society like Jesus. That we be no more children tossed to and fro. And you see, that's what I see. I'm looking at the world and sometimes uh, something comes up and you don't like somebody and you like somebody. Guess what? I must come to the place of being able to pray for every political leader that God allows to hold an office. Pray that they will not lead the work or the country into chaos and contrary to what God wants. We need to pray for all men. We need to pray for all men. And better all, better than all, love your enemies and do good to them that persecute you and despise you and use you. Has someone taken advantage of you? Love them and pray for them. That's what makes a Christian genuine. Amen. Amen. That's what makes you go upstream, <clears throat> not flowing with the pride, the, the, the flow of, on, on fall, of fallen mankind going downstream. We are to go upstream because we have Jesus working for us. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this Saturday night. We thank you again, Father, for our Lord Jesus and for the example he has set for us and for his spirit that can assist us to become more like him. Thank you, Lord, for the office of the ministry. And we pray tonight that you will raise up genuine ministers, not playboys in the pulpit, not sheiks, O oh God, in the kingdom of God, but simple men, humble, faithful, prayerful, dedicated, O oh God, to the work that you have called them to. Raise up men in our day, Father, that will herald the gospel like you want it preached. In Jesus' wonderful name we ask it, and for his glory. Amen and amen. God bless you. Nice talk. <music>